Hey, Marianne. Hey, Amy. It's a special time of year for a special bonus episode of Unfold. Yeah, a bonus. Wait, why are we having a bonus episode (laughs) of Unfold? Well, first, do you know what I've been doing for the last several weeks? Maybe writing an Unfold podcast episode? Perhaps stressing out? (laughs) Well, yes, of course. But emotionally, I've been full of dread. I've been dreading. Dreading? Oh, no. What are you dreading? The time change. Right. It's nearly spring. The old move the clocks ahead by an hour. When does that happen again? Just friggin' randomly. (laughs) (laughs) Amy, you're so predictable sometimes. (laughs) Well, technically it happens on the second Sunday of every March at 2 a.m. And this year we'll be springing into daylight saving time on March 12th. Yeah, so we lose an hour of sleep. Eh, it's not great. I mean, a lot of people don't like daylight saving time, but you actually dread it? I just can't adjust. In fact, I feel like I'm in chronic maladjustment until November when we turn the clocks back. I am sorry. That sounds kind of terrible. It's not my favorite, that's for sure. And I hate it a little more since becoming a parent. I have to admit, kids' schedules get really out of whack when the clocks change. Something no one told me before I became a parent. Yeah, I actually didn't know that either until recently. Yeah, I always thought that the younger they were, the worse it was. But I recently heard that teenagers struggle even more with it. Just in time for me to soon have a teenager, right? Wish me luck. Uh, But listen, Amy, don't kill me for saying this. Daylight saving time does make it lighter at night in the summer. And I do like that. Because you have a kid who likes to go outside and play. Well, don't you like to go outside and play too? (laughs) But seriously, it's great to be able to like walk the dog at night and not have it be so dark. Uh Uh-huh. I can tell I'm not convincing you. (laughs) No, which is why I talked to Heinrich Gomp. He's a sleep researcher at UC Davis Health and is also a member of the Sleep Research Society. I just wanted to figure out why it is that some people, like me, just can't adjust. And as you know, a lot of this has to do with our circadian rhythm. So we have these uh, circadian rhythms. They're approximately 24 hours long. They've been with us evolutionarily since the very first organisms billions of years ago. And they are so important, you know, to anticipate things that happen during the day when there's food available, when there's predators around, that sort of thing. Uh, You need to have an internal clock to anticipate those things. And Gump says this internal clock is located in the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the brain. But I don't want to get too technical here. Go ahead and get technical as long as you can pronounce it, and then I won't have to. (laughs) Well, it's in the hypothalamus region of the brain, which controls sleep-wake cycles. The suprachiasmatic nucleus also, interestingly, controls a gland that produces melatonin. Aha, the stuff that makes you sleepy. Right. So these circadian rhythms are really our master clock. And it's there to adapt slowly to changes in the uh, lighting uh, throughout the year, uh, the seasonal differences. Uh, It doesn't do that well when you switch it very quickly, like when you travel across time zones or when you have the, the switch from standard time to savings time in the spring. So it's why we get jet lag. Our circadian rhythm is all thrown off. Yeah. And he says kids have longer phases of these rhythms. So that's why they can be particularly affected by any change in the clock. 
Don't I know it. (laughs) But most importantly, these rhythms are reset by light because this area of the brain, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, gets input directly from the eyes. Those rhythms do get reset every day, particularly the light in the morning is important. After the time change, after the clock change, that happens at a later time relative to the nominal clock time. So if you normally wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning, your internal system is maybe wanting to have a certain amount of light, but you won't get that light until about 8 o'clock in the morning. That makes so much sense. After the clock change, we're forced to get up an hour earlier, and it's still not light enough to really wake ourselves up. Right. Gomp says it's a disconnect between our internal system and our external world, so it can take us several days to several weeks to adjust If we ever really adjust at all, it sounds ridiculous, right? It's only an hour. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it kind of does sound ridiculous. But so that makes me think about adjusting to new time zones. That seems easier. You know, maybe a day or two and you're usually okay. So are you telling me jet lag isn't as tough as the time change? Gump says the time zone changes are a bit different. The thing is, when you do travel across time zones, at least what you have is you arrive at a place where the sun rises and sets at an appropriate time. Whereas if you change the clock time by just an hour, you don't have that, right? So your circadian rhythm is more confused than it really needs to be. And as you may or may not know, Marianne, there are health consequences to having this internal clock confusion. Yeah, I've always heard that there is an increase in heart attacks, not just heart attacks. So you have more car accidents, in part probably because people are driving to work in the dark. Uh, But you also have regular accidents happening at a greater frequency. So there's more people going to the emergency room in the first few days after the time change. And yes, more heart attacks, more strokes as well. That's because of the stress of the time change. And guess what other problems come with the clock change, especially because of a lack of light in the morning? What? Gomp says people's satisfaction with life goes down for about a third of the population for about two weeks after the time change. So people like you get depressed, huh? (laughs) Yes, me too. It's a third of the population, Marianne, for two weeks. And mostly, strangely, among men with jobs. I'm really sorry. But okay, this is not good. Isn't there an effort to make the clock change permanent to eliminate the switching that causes all of these problems and maybe just stay in daylight saving time all year? I asked him that. Let me ask you this. There are those who argue for making daylight savings time permanent. (laughs) You're laughing. Yeah. Yes, there are those who are arguing that. So uh, that that's something that came up relatively recently when Marco Rubio a couple of years ago proposed it and it was uh, passed unanimously in the Senate. Um, I think there's certainly an allure for some people to have more light in the afternoons uh, so they can do more uh, when they're home and not at work. Uh, and it sounds pretty interesting, uh, but it's not good. I just love that he just laughed. It's the most genuine answer I've heard in ages. <laughs> I kind of felt like he was talking straight to me. But why is it not good, at least from a scientific perspective? Well, Gomp gave kudos to our politicians for realizing there is a problem with the clock change. He just says it's a change in the wrong direction. Instead, he says we should stay on our wintertime clock or standard time. The reason for that is we're 
continental U.S. is in the mid-latitudes, and vastly more people would be helped if they're on standard time all year long instead of on savings time all year long. He says you lose something valuable with saving time. You don't get any sunlight until well after you start work, or most people who start work in the, in the morning. You know, sunlight doesn't start until 9, 10 in the morning. And we are not vampires. That you know of. <laughs> But most of us would have some pretty dark mornings during saving time and maybe be in a bit of a fog as well, huh? Yeah. This sounds kind of familiar. Have we tried this before? Maybe during World War II? Yeah, and during the energy crisis in the 1970s. And guess what? People hated it. It was extremely unpopular to be on savings time all year long. Okay, he has a strong opinion. Yeah, so does the Sleep Research Society, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the National Sleep Foundation. I could go on. But of course, not everyone agrees. And Gomp does admit that in a few places in the continental U.S., people might benefit from staying on daylight saving time all year long. I'd like to know where those places are. (laughs) In places where latitudes are higher, so further north or south, and further on either side of the time zone, because the clock goes by longitude in a time zone. He mentioned that in Boston, for example, where I used to live, the sun rises at 5 o'clock in the summertime. If Boston were on standard time all year round, it would rise at 4. That's early. That's really early. I don't know about you, but I'm not super productive at 4 (laughs) a.m., I do feel like this is way more complex than I thought. But for now, we're stuck with the way it is, with that clock change. So did Gomf have any suggestions on how we can prepare? Is there anything we could do? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Amy, really? Well, it depends. I mean, some things seem to work for some individuals and others not so much. You might think maybe going to bed earlier would help. I mean, that's hard for some of us to do. I'm, I'm a night owl, but maybe trying to do that for a few days before the clock changes. Yeah, have you ever tried that? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't work for me, and Gom says it may not work for everyone. Another thing to do is to try and make sure uh, that you get out early in the morning and get as much daylight early in the day as you can. So he means getting daylight early on the day we spring forward. So I'm thinking about this. That's Sunday at 2 a.m. So on Sunday. On Sunday morning, right. And just when you want to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, I guess if it helps, it helps. Yeah, what I did last year was go on vacation three time zones ahead of the one I'm currently in. I stayed a week, and then by the time I got back, springing ahead an hour wasn't a big deal. But scientifically speaking, that probably really didn't help. You know what? It sounds really smart to me, Amy. You just said springing ahead an hour wasn't a big deal. I think you found the magic (laughs) bullet and you got a vacation out of it. That is true. Gomp did mention one thing that may help, and it's advice I hadn't heard before. It has to do with food. Food. Maybe a change in the diet? He says food can reset your circadian rhythm. So he suggested changing the time you eat. Best idea would be to fast a bit in the evening before the clock change or eat a light meal early. Because most people, like, they come out on, on, on the day after the clock change, right? And they're like, ah, I normally have lunch at noon, right? <laughs> I'm just not hungry yet, so I'm going to have lunch at 1. You know, try and make a conscious effort of actually eating at that time. And that might help some people get through it a little bit faster. In other words, if it's noon, which is typically lunchtime for you, you should eat then. 
even though your circadian clock thinks it's 11 a.m. and you're not really hungry yet. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Did he offer any other advice? Uh, you know, is there a solution to this ongoing debate that might keep some people or most people happy? Oh, yes. You know, he said if we don't switch permanently, perhaps consider having just more of the year under standard time. So instead of changing the clock in mid-March, like we're going to do shortly, make it a week later? Yeah, or even a month later and a month earlier on the other side. So mid-April and mid-October instead of March and November. He says that might prevent some of the radical changes in light that we're dealing with now. Wow. I mean, I'd welcome a solution that cuts down on the chaos of the clock change when it comes to <laughs> bedtime for kids and for a lot of us adults, too. Yeah. Right? Well, you know what? Speaking of time, it's time to wrap up. You're so clever. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this special bonus episode of Unfold, and good luck trying these strategies when the clock changes. You can find more episodes from this season on the topic of health at our website. That's ucdavis.edu slash unfold. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Marianne Rush-Sharp. Thanks for listening. Unfold is a production of UC Davis. Original music for Unfold comes from Damian Barrett and Curtis Jerome Haynes. Additional music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. 